Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the inclusive leadership one, of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. I'm Andrew Jacobs. Finding people to pair for the podcast is great fun, but sometimes people come together and say we would like to discuss something as a pair. And this is one example of that. Um, And when we were asked to cover this topic, it just made perfect sense. Our first guest is Ifat Iqbal. Ifat has worked as a learning and development professional for over 13 years in the energy, financial services and social housing sectors. Ifat works with Platform Housing Group as learning and organisational development business partner. She likes to make a difference, especially in the areas of diversity and inclusion, as well as raising awareness around domestic abuse. She's delivered talks on Islamophobia and the concept of other for WISH, women in social housing, and supported local domestic abuse charities in raising awareness of domestic abuse in ethnic minorities. Our second guest is Chloe Gillard. Chloe is the Diversity, Inclusion and Belonging Manager at Version 1, a tech company based in Ireland, working within the public and the private sector. She's had experience working within DNI in many sectors, including investment banking, aerospace and engineering, US collegiate athletics and social housing. She's very passionate about allyship and empowering voices for those underserved and underrepresented. This was recorded a few weeks ago and the confidence episodes pushed this one back a bit, but it's been very much so worth the wait to produce it. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Ifat and Chloe talking about inclusive leadership. Hi, Chloe. Uh, it's Ifat here. How are you? I'm not too bad, Ifat. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Looking forward to talking about inclusive leadership with you today. Yes, me too. Um, as we both know, this is a topic very close to our hearts. So why waste any time? I think we should just jump in. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Um, and I guess a really good place for us to start would be to talk a little bit about what inclusive leadership is. So I would like to ask you, uh, what does inclusive leadership mean to you? Oh, okay. Put me straight on the spot. Straight on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for me, inclusive leadership is all about having a growth mindset. It's about having that inquisitiveness to learn about the unfamiliar and treating each member of your team Uh, with respect, with trust, with fairness. Um, For me, an inclusive leader is one that has high levels of emotional intelligence and they can create an environment of psychological safety to enable that true openness, um, transparency, and I guess authenticity in each individual. And they do that not just because it's the right thing to do, but they recognise that in doing so, they can really empower teams to be collaborative, Uh, creative and to come up with fresh thinking and ideas on problem solving, um, things like innovation and growth. Um, We do need leaders who've got that courage to challenge when they see things that that aren't right and and they're there to break down prejudices in other people as well. And we need our leaders to be self-aware enough um, to be aware of their own unconscious biases as well and actively work, work towards tackling them and then overcoming them as well. So a bit of a long-winded answer there for you, but that's um, that's what I would define as inclusive leadership meaning to me. What about you, Chloe? What what does inclusive leadership mean to you? 
I mean, what a great synopsis, first of all. You basically covered off everything that um, I would possibly say. But I suppose the big thing for me, and I kind of come at this from my role, which is a diversity, inclusion and belonging manager. And that is the person who, quote unquote, owns DNI very often within an organisation. Uh, for me, it's really that inclusive leadership is imperative to ensuring that DNI is woven into the fabric of an organisation. It can't be a nice to have. It really has to be a necessity. Mm. Uh, but before I kind of speak on the leadership aspect, inclusion really focuses on actively embracing diverse perspectives and changing the culture to reflect them rather than simply hiring diverse employees and expecting them to you know, fit into the existing culture. So mm -hmm. if I was to break inclusive leadership down, for me, there is really six key traits that make up a successful um, recipe, let's say. And those fall into the brackets of, first of all, relationship building. Then we have recognition, empathy, social connection, encouraging participation and alignment. And that is really working towards, you know, a common goal or in a shared direction. Now, underpinning all of that is a word that is often thrown around quite a lot in the DNI space, but one that I believe, once it's truly understood, is kind of key to ensuring inclusive leadership is done right. And that's the word authenticity. So, mm -hmm. yeah. If you want to be an inclusive leader, you have to want to be vulnerable, like you said, and admit your downfalls and your areas of bias. And you really have to want to understand and support someone. And then once you grasp that, inclusive leadership becomes something you get to work on every day, constantly growing and evolving. And that makes it a really special thing. Yeah. I mean, what, what a great kind of direction that you've come from on that. Uh, because, you know, you come in from that diversity and inclusion perspective. But I think one thing we've both kind of identified there is that authenticity um, and allowing that authenticity is so key in inclusive leadership. But I mean, we're talking quite red roses here. Let's talk about potential bad leadership examples that we've mm -hmm. come across. So have you ever come across a leader who's not inclusive at all? And what specifically did they do? to be a bad leader? Oh gosh, big question. Um, I would love to be able to say that I haven't, but like you said, that was all roses um, in an ideal world would be able to say that. But unfortunately I have. And honestly, you see now looking back on it, if I, I just cringe at the whole situation. Yeah. But this person, they were really all smoke and mirrors when it came to talking about DNI. Talked a great game about being inclusive, but in all honesty, now looking back, it was very superficial and mm. you're going to get called out on that in uh, the DNI world. But for me, yeah, well, I'll just give you a perfect example of it. So and it's one I should have seen as a bit of a red flag from day one. But I'll set the scene. I was starting a new job and I was being introduced in our department wide meeting, which was a meeting in front of about 250 or so people. And as I'm quite introverted and what you had to do was like stand up with um, somebody who was gonna introduce you. So I had to stand up in front of everybody, all eyes on me, horrible situation for myself, but anyway. Um, and this person was introducing me as the new member of the team to everyone in the room. 
So they read out my first name, Chloe, not so hard to pronounce. But then my last name, which was my maiden name at the time, they couldn't actually pronounce. So they just said, it, it's Mackle something. My last name was McElwain. Uh, sure, it doesn't matter what your last name is, as I can't pronounce it, and laughed. Oh, my God. No, I know. (laughs) Talk about making me feel small in front of my peers. And looking back on it now, it was kind of those subtle and far too often not so subtle microaggressions that kind of infiltrate and breed this toxicity within culture. And no one really stood up to the person and everyone else kind of laughed along. And I don't know whether that was out of fear or whatever it might have been. But now looking back on it, we must be braver to stand up to those microaggressions and we must challenge the narrative. And one, I always, I use quite a few sayings in my work, but one of them is one drop does not make an ocean, but we sure as heck can make a tidal wave. And for me, it's always just kind of stood out in my mind because now looking back on it, I wish I was braver to stand up and challenge that subtle microaggression um, in that moment. But I have learned a lot from it. Yeah. And now coming out the other side, I definitely feel like I am now in a position where I can challenge people for good and for bad in terms of helping people understand a little bit more about different perspectives. Um, so it's definitely a learning experience. Um. And I guess I'll throw it back to you, if I, I could talk on that situation all day, but, and I know we've kind of spoke about it before, but are mm. there any situations that really stand out for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a the few, but I, I think the first one, where when I first went into the workplace, and it was my very first job as a teenager, I think I must have been about 17 at the time, um, and, you know, being a teenager, first job, it was a telesales company. And I had this young manager um, and he just said to me, I think your name is just too complicated. Uh, if that is just too complex for customers to understand, let's just call you Faye. Um, wow. now, as a 17 year old in my first job, I didn't even think about it. Um, and I accepted it as a given. And for a whole year while I had that little part time job, the whole office called me Faye. Uh, now looking back now I wonder why I accepted that like it's just not normal for somebody to just change your name for you you know it's just not and and it's I guess if you've not had an unusual name you wouldn't ever think that that happens to other people but you know yeah I, I if I could turn back time is all I can say really on that one and another thing that really stood out to me is not being given the day off um for my religious celebration of Eid Uh, when I worked at a different organization and that manager just simply wouldn't allow me annual leave for that day because, you know, because of workload. Um, It's like being forced to work on Christmas Day. And, um, you know, I remember very begrudgingly uh, turning up at work that day. I mean, I could have done the naughty thing and called in sick, but I didn't. You know, I was quite a a loyal employee. Uh, But my mum, till this day, even though that I think event happened about, 15 years ago, my mum till this day has never forgotten that Eid when I was missing. And she will remind me every Eid. Do you remember that Eid when you weren't here? And I called you and I was really upset with you. And you just put me on loudspeaker. Oh, my and, gosh. And uh, I did. I did. I put mum on loudspeaker so my manager could hear the impact of that, that I guess, lack of inclusion. Um, 
so yeah um but i guess it does take a, a, a an element of bravery to stand up and i guess the the two examples that i've described there were from my very early career um and i think that i'm a lot more resilient and a lot more brave to to raise these issues now i can stand up for myself now but i think that experience comes with with um with i guess the, the power of hindsight really um so yeah but the, those are the couple of examples that yeah that's, that, I, that come to mind really yeah that's brilliant and it's so good like talking about that element of bravery it is such an important thing within inclusivity and that sense of belonging and like you said hindsight is a wonderful thing and if we could go back into those situations now how much braver we might have been and I guess that leads in nicely to talking about how we can kind of replicate that bravery and that inclusive leadership in the workplace and I'd love to know a little bit about like why do you think inclusive leadership is so important to organizations today and into the future? Yeah great question Chloe I mean diversity and inclusion um, and, and leadership it impacts how teams perform so you know where people feel like they can be their authentic self they will give their best you know and, and it does have direct correlation with performance um, and for me inclusive leadership means ensuring that everybody on the team does feel respected and valued and has a voice and that then creates that sense of belonging within the team and the wider organization and those little nuances of how your religion, your culture, your background impacts your day-to-day -day work is critical. But, you know, how do you actually go as a leader, go out there and carry, carry that inclusive leadership style out to people? And I think that the, there's a few things that, that can really help with that and really enable that inclusive leadership. And I think, you know, certainly being open is one of them. Being really open about your own weaknesses and vulnerabilities as a leader and being authentic yourself um, and another part of that is kind of admitting when you don't know everything and I think leaders these days think that they should have the answer to everything but actually it's about being a little bit more humble than that if you don't know the answer just be humble in your learning and and, and that includes your lack of awareness around certain aspects of diversity and diversity characteristics as well um, and I think the other side to that is being open to learning about those differences around those different diversity characteristics. So um, and that ties really back into, you know, what we love to call growth mindset in, lead, uh, in learning and development. But it is all about kind of admitting that you won't know everything and that, you know, the world out there changes constantly and that we've got to keep learning and we've got to sometimes unlearn and relearn. Um, so our, our customer bases as well are diverse, you know, our employee bases are diverse and learning about these different religious practices or, you know, sexual orientation and learning about disabilities and neurodiverse conditions, you know, which is a, you know, a can of worms that, you know, I, I feel very strongly about because with certain neurodiverse conditions, you know, there's some real um, misrepresentation going on about, about them. So, um, so yeah, for me, it's about learning. It's about being open to that learning. Um, so yeah, I mean, what about you, Chloe? Why do you think inclusive leadership is so important as well? Yeah, you've really hit the nail 
on the head with everything there and everything that I kind of believe in as well in terms of we need to be open and vulnerable and we need to be open about learning like those are the two main things for me and I'd love to kind of bring that to life for our listeners so everybody listening say you're a leader and you have someone of say the Sikh faith join your team we often get stuck in this bit of a trap of not knowing how to open up a conversation without it sounding on intrusive or unnatural but the biggest thing is that if you do not belong to the Sikh faith and you have somebody come into your team who is very open about their religion and has mentioned their faith to you the biggest thing is just to really make those conversations natural and really come from a position of that you want to know a little bit more about that person because you genuinely care about them and their success and well-being at work. So if you are a leader and you're onboarding a new team member into your team, get to know them, ask them if they've got kids or children or their grandparent or they're an aunt or an uncle or ask them if they have any religious practices during the day that they might need to step away from work and if there are any adjustments that need to be made whether that's to working hours or maybe that's reasonable accommodations for somebody who might um, have an like a neurodiversity background or needs some of that extra support throughout their work day and genuinely position this conversation from a work-life balance perspective because now we're in this new way hybrid way of working whatever the buzz term is at the minute mm. um, where our work and life are no longer separate they're really intertwined if we're working from home and I think making sure from a leadership perspective an inclusive leadership perspective demonstrating that you actually care will really build that trust to enable a new team member to open up about themselves and in essence, it's all about creating psychological safety and that from the perspective of people really feeling like they can be their true authentic selves and they don't have to worry about wearing a mask at work. They can really just be themselves and thrive in the work environment. Absolutely agree with you there, because as a Muslim myself, as you know, Chloe, I pray five times a day um, and, and, and it impacts me differently depending on the time of the year. So in the winter, I've got more prayers during the day. So I might need to take some extra breaks. Um, and in the summer, I pray a lot later on. Uh, so I only need to take one break for my prayer, which I usually do over my lunch lunch hour. And so it's got very little impacts at work. And I guess if, if a leader is inquisitive and wants to learn more to enable you to succeed at work, they'll question you about things like that. And, and certainly with somebody like me, if they asked me that question, I'd be like, yep, I, you know, this is how my religion impacts me at work. Um, and certainly having that understanding of how your personal characteristics impact you at work means that firstly, you feel like you can be yourself um, and, and that your leader understands that, you know, it, you know, where you're kind of coming from as well. And it's not just about religion or ethnicity or, you know, for me, I'm also type one diabetic. And although I don't consider that to be a disability, actually, I might need to test my blood sugar levels. I might need to inject insulin or I might need to treat, treat a hypo. So again, that inquisitive leader will enable me to bring my best at work through genuinely caring about me and understanding me as an individual. Um, I mean, 
other Muslims as you know fast in the month of Ramadan we're in Ramadan at the moment and so being mindful of something like that around you know not booking in a nine nine o'clock in the morning meeting um, because people who fast tend to get up quite early hours of the morning four or five in the morning to kind of eat something close their fast it they, they'll do a prayer probably go back to bed around five in the morning and they'd probably want a bit of a lie-in till till about 10 or something um so i mean it's not that's not how everybody will operate but certainly having an understanding of how your employee or your colleague is going to be impacted by you know certain life events or certain religious occasions or even medical conditions like type 1 diabetes it will only mean that you know your you're genuinely making those adjustments and honestly coming from that place where I've had examples of bad leadership those little adjustments make such a massive difference to people and they really do give a true sense of belonging um so yeah so to absolutely agree with with what you've said um and I can only really put my spin on it Chloe as well so yeah and you actually mentioned something there that I kind of wanted delve a little bit into so I hope you don't mind me picking on a couple of words you just said there but you said something about understanding me as an individual and that really resonated with me and would you say it could be as simple as treating people as individuals? Absolutely I mean acknowledging that each member of your team is an individual and and it's also about positive reinforcement as well it's about providing feedback and praise when it's due because what you'll find is by not having a feedback culture in an organization and you know whether that's positive uh, kind of positively reassuring people i know that i'm a very confident woman and i've had a very successful career but even i will require a little bit of reassurance that it's okay to be to to go off and take annual leave around eid time or take an extended bit of time off during ramadan to support my family so absolutely i think it, it really is about being treated as an individual, but leaders not only need to learn about those differences and ensure inclusivity for them, but they also need to encourage the sharing of that learning too with the wider team or the organization. I mean, in an ideal world, you'd expect people to quite openly share with colleagues, you know, how certain things might impact them, but where that safety hasn't been created, say there's a new team come together, actually the leader's got a very critical role to play in making sure that the wider team is aware of some of these little nuances that might impact people but of course with permission because you know the leader needs to check that it's okay to share that with the wider team um but yeah absolutely it for me it is about treating people as individuals because diversity is not something that can just be seen it's not a skin color it's not a visible difference all the time it can be hidden differences as well um so it's really about opening up that conversation too absolutely intersectionality is real isn't it <laughs> it really is yeah okay Chloe, well i need your dni lens on this so i've got a bit of a scenario for you okay let's just say <laughs> i'm gonna put you in a bit of a, a spot here <laughs> let's just say that you are a leader and you've got somebody on your team and they're not being very inclusive what can you do as a leader and how do you approach that difficult conversation? Oh, talk about giving me a tough scenario. Um, yeah, this is this is a tough one because not from the perspective of I haven't been in this situation because 
I think everybody has, but mm. it's tough from the perspective that every situation is unique and factors like how well you know the person and then all of the additional factors such as like work and life and well-being, all of these kind of nuances will impact how you approach a situation like this. So whilst I wish I could say there was one magic golden million pound ticket answer that I could give you and would ultimately be your response to every single situation or tough conversation you're going to have. It's just simply not the case. But that being said, I will touch on a couple of things that I believe should always be considered in these types of situations and many other kind of DNI related situations as a whole. And these are three things that I really stand behind. So number one, and probably my most important one, and I tell myself actually this on a daily basis when I feel challenged, is that inaction is still an action. I'll just repeat that so everybody can digest it. But inaction is still an action. And what I mean by that is silence and avoidance is really just adding fire or adding fuel to the injustice fire. So if we are being silent in tough situations or we're not saying something, and this goes back to the being open and not being afraid to um, to really be present in that situation and get to know what's really going on, it's really not helping. So I'm a big believer in having the belief behind you and really taking action, even when you're not 100% sure that you know all the answers. The second kind of thing leads on to that or leads on from that. And that is really focusing on unlearning and then relearning together. And what I kind of mean by that is help the person who is not being inclusive kind of understand the act the impact that they're having on others and help them discover why they've acted in that way. But we really need to do this in a humble and caring manner. And it may be a bias that they've never realized that they have, but helping them become aware, then aiding them to be able to relearn in a more inclusive way can really help with that light bulb moment switch in their head. And I really must add that this isn't done overnight and it's not a quick fix solution. But as we all know, humans are really funny creatures. So having a a level of emotional intelligence when it comes to the person is key, which takes me back to the point of every situation is kind of being unique. But I will throw out a little bit of a nugget that there's a really great book that I recommend to everybody reading about biases and it is called Blind Spot Hidden Biases of Good People and it is by I'm really sorry if I butcher the name but it's Mazarin R. Banaji but a really really great read definitely a worthwhile read and lastly I like to do things in threes in case nobody's figured out as we go through this podcast, but (laughs) three is a magic number for me. But something else that's really, really important in these sorts of scenarios and situations we find ourselves in is do not forget to check up on the person who has been subjected to that non-inclusive mannerism, but definitely Mm. do it in private. Don't be calling them out in front of other people, but let them know that you see them and you hear them and they are valued and they are important because these little nods to kindness just go such a long way. 
so I kind of spoke about quite a few things in there. If I hope you don't mind, but those are mainly all from like a DNI manager kind of DNI person advice standpoint. I'd love to know if there's anything from like the perspective of what organizations can do to ensure like their leaders are all inclusive, especially from your L and D organizational development perspective. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved what what you said there around that concept of inaction is still uh, still an action. Um, because if you think back to to some of the examples that we shared, actually, when I when my name was changed to Faye, at no like request of mine, why did the the entire room of people accept that as a given? And when your uh, manager, when you joined your job, said Chloe Mac something, mm-hmm. why did nobody in that room call it out? And and so yeah, I think that's a really powerful concept around inaction is still an action. I guess the bit where learning and organizational development is really key is that element of focusing on that unlearning and the relearning together element. Um, I, I, I guess that's the bit that learning and development can help with. Um, and yes, absolutely, there's so much benefit for an organization's learning and development function to form close allyship with those in charge of diversity and inclusion within that organization. And if the two can work together, they can truly transform an organization's culture. Certainly from a learning and OD perspective, there are a few things that can be done to really encourage, um, to educate and to embed diversity and inclusion. And this can include things like education pieces and leadership development programs, specifically on inclusive leadership. And this isn't just, here's a course on, this is what diversity and inclusion is and this is what the benefits are. It's got to be more than that. We've got to look at providing leaders with practicality, you know, some scenarios. What does that look like in a specific situation? Or, you know, what 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 kind of conversation do we expect you to have? And use that scenario-based learning to encourage a different way of thinking for leaders uh, and challenging them to challenge themselves and their own unconscious biases as well. So certainly leadership development programs, um, as well as a wider general awareness piece around diversity and inclusion within an organization. And I think within that, I think we need to consider the power of storytelling. There's nothing more powerful than a colleague telling you about their diversity and how it's impacted them. Um, and you know, I, I think that that's a, a fantastic way to open up that that whole conversation, you know, let's not stick everything on an e-learning, let's make it quite engaging, Absolutely. let's use that power of storytelling. And Chloe, you know, we have we work together at Accent and that's something that we implemented within that organisation. I don't know if you want to say something about that. Yeah, that's, and I wish everybody could see me right now because I'm doing the like little praise hands emoji. And the thing with making sure that we're giving people a voice is one of the biggest things within kind of inclusive leadership is you're holding the mic for other people to have their voices heard and it's such a powerful thing and within Accent we launched a people series initiative and this kind of started from one of our colleagues who came forward during the Black Lives Matter movement and wanted to share her experiences growing up as a young black woman within the United Kingdom Mm. and it was powerful it was so moving and we really 
got to understand it from somebody else's perspective and it kind of grew from there didn't it we had so many different people from all different walks of life coming in and sharing their lived experience and it does it means so much more whenever you hear it from somebody's somebody's own perspective rather than just reading it on an e-learning like you said yeah absolutely we had uh, presentations around lgbt we had presentations around Islamophobia, we had presentations around domestic abuse in different cultures. It, it really was, um, you know, certainly one of the key things that we launched at that organization. And for, for the record, guys, whoever's listening, me and Chloe no longer work in that same organization. We've both moved on to other organizations since. Um, but yeah, certainly learning an OD can also massively impact that, opening up that conversation, but also really support. HR practice around recruitment as well. Um, Another thing could be to introduce the Rooney Rule into the recruitment practice for leaders. And I'd recommend reading the book by Matthew Saeed called Rebel Ideas on this, because it really gets you thinking about how to avoid groupthink through recruitment. Um, And just in case you don't know what the Rooney Rule is, it requires that at least one woman and one underrepresented minority be considered in the slate of candidates for either every open position or every open senior position. Um, But it's not just about who you interview. It's also about how we recruit our talent, where we post our job job advertisements, how long that recruitment process is. Um, And, you know, although some people would argue that times have changed and that women are now kind of equals in the workplace, Uh, You know, if you ever doubted the impact of misogyny in the world today, you know, you only have to read Laura Bates's Men Who Hate Women to understand that misogyny is rife in our communities. But it's just hidden in the, you know, because of the Internet. And that's why I love this podcast, because it just gives women like us, uh, Chloe, a voice. Absolutely. Um, And then I guess the other part that learning an OD can make a massive difference to is an education piece around neurodiverse conditions such as ADHD, autism, dyslexia, dyspraxia, and so on. Um, And for me, recruitment processes need to also consider the power of certain neurodiverse conditions. So, for example, we only ever hear the negative element of ADHD, um, if you can call it that, but it's massively misunderstood. ADHD is a condition that, that can come with a unique ability to bring a new perspective, different forms of creativity and an ability, a very unique ability to hyper-focus. And we need to break down those barriers for people and truly allow authenticity and an unapologetic attitude to being yourself. That's not easy. And and it does lean back to that earlier comment around being brave um, because we've got to get comfortable as human beings with being vulnerable and that's just not natural to us as human beings. Um, and Brené Brown does talk about this in her TED talk on vulnerability and shame. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we know it's uncomfortable. But, you know, the, the, the old age phrase in learning and development is you'll never develop by being comfortable. And, and, and that's the key, really, to this. And then finally, I think we need to promote a culture of inclusive learning. Uh, you know, how does our design, our delivery of learning cater to different learners? You know, are we providing learners with choice? Um, are we really asking people how they want to learn as well? And we need we need to focus on honesty and transparency within our organizational cultures. And this means that everybody's the eyes and the ears of an organization. And so leaders also give people that space as well to share their voices. 
So in summary, to answer your question, I've taken an, a long time to answer it. Actually, I think learning and organizational development can make a huge difference to building the right organizational culture where inclusion is the norm. Um, so yeah, that's a lot of added there from, from the L&D perspective. Um, what, what top tips do you have then for leaders? So, so we, we try to kind of round this up now. Oh, top tips. Well, I'll give you three because obviously that's my number. Um, the first one would be, and this is so crucial, it kind of links into learning and development, organizational development, but also like health and well-being as well. And it's checking in before checking on. And that comes from the concept of ask how the person's doing. First of all, make space for feelings and that human connection before talking about work. It's such a big thing to be to be able to be an inclusive leader and come at your role and your position within an organization from that mindset. The second one, we'll go back to talking about those inaction is still in action and for me that's take an active role for creating spaces for voices like I said hold the mic for people to be seen and to be heard we ask people to be authentic and be that leader to give other people's a voice so that they can be heard in their own words and then lastly it would be just to jump on the back of what you said is embrace that discomfort to help advance the conversation instead of kind of fearing saying the wrong thing get used to being uncomfortable we are all going to have to embrace it and we can challenge what doesn't look and feel right and we can really start to make sure that the places that we work are as inclusive as possible so that's three quick things Um, but I would also encourage everybody I know we've already talked about a couple of of different books and podcasts or TED Talks you can listen to. But another one I would highly encourage you to listen to, especially if you've made it this far through this podcast, would be there's a book by Jennifer Brown and it's called How to Be an Inclusive Leader. It's a really, really fantastic read. So highly recommended to anybody listening if you want something else to dig your teeth into. That's amazing. Uh, I love those top tips, Chloe. And I've absolutely loved talking to you today. Uh, you've really given some food for thought on inclusive leadership. Uh, and it's great that we've reconnected following all the great work we did at, at Accent. Um, but yeah, thank you to all of our listeners today. Um, and yeah, we will finish off the session now, Chloe. So I'll pass over to you. Absolutely. Such a pleasure chatting with you again, Afat. And I'm glad we were able to keep it to the time constraints that we have because we both know each other. We could talk all day on this, but yeah. I hope everybody listening has taken away some good pointers from today and have enjoyed listening to the two of us. But please do connect with us on LinkedIn if you would like to and make sure you subscribe to this podcast. And today, I suppose, we'll leave you with a bit of an action. And that's just to choose to challenge, no matter how big or small, we're all we can make those drops in the ocean, make those tidal waves. So thank you again, everybody, and have a wonderful day. I said this episode was worth the wait. <laughs> Please make sure that you listen to this one a couple of times. I have, um, just simply because there's so much rich information in this podcast. I know I'll be referring people to it as a resource for a long time to come. And the show notes are extensive because of that. If I and Chloe came up with just so much good stuff. A massive thank you to them for their contribution and for engaging with such a great topic. As always, we do have slots open for recording, so please do get in touch if you'd like to record. 
Please like and subscribe to Women Talking About Learning on your podcast player. It really does make it easier for people to find us. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again soon.